Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your guests, your guests, your hosts are Steve Becker and Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at horrormakesushappy.com. Our guest is Jesse Seitz, producer, director, and actress, best known for Devotion, Obsidian, and Five. Thank you for joining us, Jesse. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Thank you for being here. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we get into the meat of the interview? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm actually um, at, at the pre-production stage for like a couple projects, but can't like totally talk about those at the moment. So I guess I will just plug. Um, I recently completed a documentary with Marcus Cook uh, called Beyond Horror, which is the history of red films. So extreme cinema. Okay. What was the, um, uh, the other term for them? It was like some, something three, what they use over in Singapore. Oh, um, degree, category three or degree three or something. I think, yeah, I think it was like cat three, something like that. Oh, oh, oh gosh, gotcha. yeah, yeah. That, damn, that's good. <laughs> yeah. We we picked that up from what was it? Uh, Dave from Jackson. Marcus, no, Dave Jackson. Was it Dave Jackson? Okay, yeah. yeah. We've we've talked to a lot of people. <laughs> Before we get started, um, a little information both for you and the listeners. Uh, some trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about horror movies, which could potentially involve anything, murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, F-bombs. Uh, so if you're not prepared for that, please take care of yourself and come back when you're ready. Uh, in this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out what it is that you like about horror. Uh, the idea being that if we interview enough people, we might find some interesting common themes, but also might find some unexpected themes as well, which could be interesting. Um, we're coming at the topic from multiple angles, uh, because sometimes that triggers memories that you'd forget you have forgotten about. Um, but that being said, it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there are any questions you don't want to answer, just say, I'll pass on that one and we'll move on. So, uh, starting with childhood, what would be some of your earliest memories of horror related stuff from childhood? Well, uh, the first horror movie that I ever saw was Jaws, and I was probably two and a half, three years old. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, and I, I do remember back pretty far. Uh, I've been blessed with a pretty good memory. But um, yeah, I was going to you know, say, like at least you may not remember it because it was so long ago. But guess not. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a little mercury, uh, you know, murky around uh, two and three, but, you know, somewhere approximately just, around that time. Just, um, just like the bloody water. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it scared the shit out of me. I mean, it, it really, like, fucked me up pretty good. Um, I, I was at the, the babysitters and she had one of those. I can't imagine why. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was really slightly intimidating of a movie. And, you know, I, I was in her, my babysitter's living room and she had one of those giant televisions that functioned also as a piece of furniture that they no longer make. And, you know, just sitting there like in the middle of the afternoon and the that damn shark, you know, coming up on the boat. And of course, you know, that infamous scene. And, and so um, I was a, uh, it was kind of actually it it developed into a bona fide phobia, um, which took me a long, long time to actually get over. And, and by phobia, I mean that um, I would actually get like tunnel vision if I saw the poster art for it. 
Wow. <laughs> like it legitimately like really messed with me like psychologically which of course you know there's all kinds of things that can go into that from doctors and everything but yeah it, it was a real phobia and um you know i've been slowly just trying to get over it because obviously working in the horror world you run across pictures of that shark a lot <laughs> so so was it a phobia of sharks of beaches of water of that that particular movie it, it really, um, towards the end of it, I'd say it was very much like centered on that specific movie, but I would be mm. very uncomfortable with just um, images of sharks in general. And like, I wouldn't be able to go into like any aquarium spaces or anything like that. And, um, you know, did not like the beach you know, or anything. So right. it, it definitely spread out into like other areas like of my life. And I think it's just like one of those like weird things that like, you know, you see it at a young, impressionable age, you know, mm -hmm. and then in your brain, it just starts to like relate that as like, you know, that is everything that is possibly wrong with the world condensed down <laughs> into one image. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a subconscious trigger. Like, like it makes me wonder, would that mean that you have that subconscious trigger where your conscious mind, and your subconscious mind are almost battling with each other over the fact that like, this is, this is water. We hate this. No, no, I've been told it's good. No, no, this is water. We hate this. But was it yeah. just specifically associated with salt water? Like, did were you okay with fresh water, like going to a lake or a river? When I was young, I was not. Uh, when when I was really young, I had actually issues like with even swimming pools and stuff as like a result of it. Which is, of course, like you know, you say it out loud, and it sounds like totally ludicrous if you didn't, you know, experience that as like a kid. But like, yeah, I I really hated like swimming pools. I hated lakes, rivers, like anything. Like my it was completely irrational, you know, but. My brain was just so like, Ugh, you know, this is where this evil lives, <laughs> you know. No, I, I can totally relate. I saw Jaws when I was a kid, too, and I uh, really didn't like showers. I still yeah. did them because you have to shower. But, yeah, every time it was like we, we had a dent in the bottom of our tub for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe tree roots or something. But I just like in my childish mind, I looked at that like that's a shark trying to bust through the bottom of the tub with its nose. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, I wasn't even gonna bring it up, but like the shadowy part of the bathtub, like where the shower curtain would be like over the bathtub water. I was scared of that when I was like four or five because I'm like, that's yeah. where Jaws is and that shadowy murky part of this fucking bathtub in a trailer, you know. <laughs> Almost like your subconscious mind like clings on to any uncertainty like that. That's the thing. That's gotta be it. It's the only yeah, thing it can that, be. <laughs> that's where he wow. is, you know. Um so <laughs> And and weirdly enough, it also translated into not being able to go into video stores for a long time. Oh, yeah, because um, the box art is there. The box art is there. Or, like, somebody would be watching it on, like, the TV overhead, you know, and it, it, it just, like... It, it was weird and it, it really affected like a lot of avenues of my life of, up into adulthood, like certain things like got better, but there were still certain things that would like just make my heart race. And like I said, I would still be getting like tunnel vision and stuff. And so I just like slowly started like immersing myself with it. <laughs> and, um, and now I'm fine and I actually like enjoy the movie now, but it's, it's taken like forever. So yeah, that was my first horror film, like affected my entire life for a long time. Um, the, the first one that I actually enjoyed that didn't traumatize me to death was Gremlins. 
Um, okay. And that was definitely a, a much more child appropriate thing to be watching. I mean, it's practically a Christmas movie. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I remember it was Wasn't like. It? it was. Yeah. yeah, it took place at Christmas. Like, look, yeah. if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Gremlins is a yeah. Christmas movie. Yeah, it's totally a Christmas movie. <laughs> and, um, you know, it still was like scary, but it was like a fun scary, you know. And so I think that's what really made me start to like love like the spooky stuff for, for sure was Gremlins. And so I saw that probably like around five or six. So mm-hmm. much more age appropriate, better time to be taking that all in. <laughs> right. So Jaws, Gremlins, anything else uh, jump out at you as being memorable from that time of your life? Like literature or just other things? <laughs> the, uh, as, as far as like a, being a really young kid, those are the ones that like really uh, stick with me. Um, I actually couldn't, wasn't allowed to watch horror movies uh, for a big part of my life um my parents say, after were your broke. response to jaws i can understand why <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately it's a jaws thing my, my parents went through this like crazy religious kick and so like you know anything that was remotely horror related was forbidden and so i would still have to like i would still sneak stuff over at like friends houses and everything but like we didn't even celebrate like halloween for like 10 years in our household and like, a bunch of ridiculous things like that. So not even all saints day or Hallow's Eve. Yeah, no, that was, it was all out off the table, uh, <laughs> which was very depressing as a kid. I missed out on the, the good trick or treating years for sure. <laughs> Were you Jehovah? No, no, yeah, straight up uh, Christian. <laughs> but, oh. um, I think that uh, the 80s and 90s, you know, there was a lot of that, like, satanic panic and, like, junk like mm-hmm. that going around. Yeah, that's and true. They just really sir came to through that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was everywhere. Yeah. We would define the difference between childhood and adolescence somewhere around, like, middle school, you know, like, like 11th or 12th grade. Yeah. Um, were you participating in Halloween before that? Um, uh, well, uh, my last Halloween I had as a kid was when I was six years old. And then um, I didn't get to celebrate it again until after I was like out of my parents' house. Did you enjoy Halloween as a child? Oh, yes. I, I loved it immensely. You know, it was definitely like something that was really fun and a positive experience for me. So it, it was a pretty like negative like thing to not like be able to like participate in it for sure. Yeah. Did you have sucks. a favorite? Did you have a favorite costume? Uh, yeah. Uh, my last one I ever got to do was I was a black cat and I put like a lot of effort into it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Go out it with was, a hurrah. That's nice. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like my favorite when I was little. Nice. Did you, was it the process of getting dressed up that you enjoyed or, uh, you know, the getting the candy? I I really loved, I mean, there was, you know, there's like a certain amount of magic to it. Right. You know, um, I, I really liked, you know, the, the ghouls and goblins and like running around the neighborhood and getting like candy and just all the just fun little things that were like associated with it. Um, I loved like witches i thought witches were like super cool and of course they're up all around in halloween and yeah just everything like about it like really like spoke to me still does <laughs> my my house is like one giant like you know doomed to halloween now but um, you know as a kid, 
<laughs> yeah, I identified with it, you know, heavily and stuff. So, yeah, it was, um, I don't know. I mean, to me, I think you kind of, on a deeper sense, mm-hmm. uh, most people know who they are, I think, at a pretty young age. And I think, like, the things that you're drawn to as a child, because you're coming to them very innocently, you know, and you're just naturally drawn to certain things, mm-hmm. um, are really good indicators as to what you'll probably, like, be into as an adult. And so, um, I, I don't know. I mean, just like kind of like looking at my childhood, I think it's kind of sort of a testament to that. It's like, you know, I definitely like came back around to this type of stuff. Just going back to the Halloween thing for a second before moving on to some of the other questions. Did you have a least favorite costume? Oh, no, I liked all of them when I was little. <laughs> so nice. I only got to dress up like a handful of times. <laughs> okay. Um, so was there anybody else? Uh, I mean, you mentioned the babysitter was the one that had put on the movie. Did you have any friends or family or relatives who were into horror when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Um, the rest of my family um, outside of my parents were very into horror movies and Halloween stuff, both mm-hmm. of them. So um, my grandma was like a huge Halloween horror movie person you know uh, my cousins were like all into that stuff you know i mean they had like all the masks and monster toys and the vhs tapes and you know they had hbo growing up so you know there was always some kind of like crazy thing to watch on that so would you like get to like go over there for the weekend or spend a week over at your aunt's or cousin's house or something like that and you'd be like yes get to watch horror movies now Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that, that was actually even still like pretty like monitored, like even when I was a kid. So I had to be pretty sneaky about it. It normally wasn't until like I got to like stay the night at friends' houses that I got to start like watching horror movies again. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I could do it in secret, <laughs> you know, with no one yeah. ratting out. <laughs> so, you know, and then that's when I got to see things like critters you know and and all those like little fun like weird creature movies and um, really into those like for the longest time and then when i hit junior high i had uh really started like liking slasher films you know and um it started with scream you know i was like the perfect age when scream came out you know to be like really interested in that movie (laughs) and uh you know when i finally got to see it um then it made me like you know go back and look at like all these other like slasher films and you know i became a huge fan of like halloween and friday the 13th and all, all those classics you know and that was like a really fun time so that was about junior high when i was really getting into those and then i also really loved um Alfred Hitchcock and he was sort of like this very interesting almost like neutral ground you know because obviously some of his movies are horror but they're like classic films <laughs> yeah so like that stuff was like allowed um, and I, I really really got into him was Hitchcock childhood or teenage years uh junior high yeah so probably okay. like 11 starting around 11 okay I wrote some of that stuff down. We'll, we'll come back to that. Going back to the childhood for a minute. Uh, you mentioned your parents, your grandparents, your cousins were all into uh, horror movies and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that, you know, at least with them, there was some sort of, uh, you know, positive uh, association with horror movies. It's not like they teased you about it or anything like that. Um, they, you know, no, no negative experience in those 
terms, the only negative it sounds like is was your reaction to seeing Jaws. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the only like, you know, <laughs> wish no one could have helped that. Cause that's a scary movie. <laughs> mm. And because you weren't ready for it at that age too. Mm. You, know what, you know what you should have done? Dude, just watch the sequels. That will totally break the fear for you. 100%. Once you get to Jaws 4, you'll be like, this is the dumbest shit I have ever seen. It's roaring. That shark is roaring like a lion. And oh, because they stuck a flashlight with a blinky thing in it, inside of it. Now it can explode. This is funny. dumb. <laughs> funny thing about that. Um, I am actually a huge, huge advocate of Jaws the Revenge. Oh, come <laughs> and, on. Um, really? That's and, the worst um, one. I love it. I freaking love it. And I'm actually it Michael Caine was in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, Michael Caine, who's never actually even watched it. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's right. I forgot. That was just like a, a paycheck money movie for him or something. Yeah. He's just him? like, no, I'm going to watch that shit. He <laughs> bought a house with it. That's what it was. He, he yeah, wanted to buy a house, so he made a movie. Yes. <laughs> made that movie. And um, I'm a film programmer for theaters when they're open, you know, like ye old movie theaters. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you're familiar with the Christie's, huh? Uh, yeah, the the Christies and uh, yeah, just all all of that. And so, like, mm-hmm. with, so for programming, you know, um, I am always trying to come up with something like clever. And I was like, okay, we've got to start showing Jaws: The Revenge over the July Fourth weekend. <laughs> and my my boss at the time hadn't seen that one, and they like looked at the stills, and they're like, "Is this a real movie?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Like this is not a Jaws knockoff. They actually made. Yeah, no, it's 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 in the canon. <laughs> this is real. It's like legitimately a Jaws movie. And I thought I was being like super clever because I'm like, oh man, this could be like the next room, only like with Jaws, and it's funny, and it buried a franchise, and ha ha ha, you know. And like, oh my god, it was like the biggest joke that like no one else like even cared for. <laughs> <laughs> So you were trying to do like a study of Jaws the Revenge on a so bad it's good angle. Uh, like you said, like same level as the room and everyone else is just like, this, this is just a bad movie. Yeah, they're just like, this is a bad movie. Did that shark just growl at me? And I'm like, oh my God, it's wonderful. And like, <laughs> seriously, like I, to this day, I'm just like, no, no, no. I'm going to get people on board. This is going to be like the next like cult thing. Jaws the Revenge. I was like, everybody shows Jaws over July 4th weekend. I'm like, no, no, no. We got to show the last one. And so I, I always push for it. You know, the legitimacy of that terrible, wonderful movie. <laughs> so, did any, so did anybody come see it or no? Uh, only a handful of people even came to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly yeah, like one of the worst attended things I'd ever programmed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> 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 they just weren't down for it. I was like, come on, you can like drink at the theater and like watch this ridiculous like shark movie. And they were just not having it. I was like, okay, this will catch on. Okay, it'll have its like, you know, day in the sun. I mean, I was Maybe. about to say, you could have a drinking game with this movie with like every time there's either a uh, uh, plot incontinuity or something that doesn't make sense in real life, like the shark roaring. Michael King's uh, shirt, you know, shirt, shirts usually don't dry seconds after you emerge out of the ocean. 
or the fact that it's like just the premise is just like so wonderful i mean it's like the shark like recognizes her you know and it's like oh yeah that's that shark you know followed her from uh amity new york to the bahamas was it the bahamas yeah it came all the way to the bahamas to find her you know i'm like it's impressive come on you know but yeah it's it's hard to sell people on that one but that's kind of like my little submission in life so <laughs> yeah didn't that ha- didn't that have some crossover with the amityville horror huh did it i don't think it did but holy shit somebody should do that now that's oh. what they should i heard they're gonna do a jaws reboot they should just like tie in amityville horror and there you go you got like a cinematic universe <laughs> well that's what i thought the reference to amity well that's what i thought the reference to amity new york was about wasn't it no, I, I think it's just a coincidence, but I never made the connection there. Yeah, it's it's like, well, there's not multiple horror movies with Elm Street in it, but um, where I was going with that, Elm Street's a common name, that's why they used it. But no, um, I think Amity is a real city in New York, and I believe both movies just happened to base themselves there. <laughs> funny. So let's go back to uh, childhood a little bit more. So we mentioned no, Jaws and another half hour on Jaws. No, just kidding. <laughs> The Jaws podcast. Yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we've mentioned Jaws and Gremlins. Uh, You, but you didn't really have any other uh, horror memories from childhood, correct? Yeah, for grade school, it's a definitely like a blank spot. I mean, I would see like slivers of things, you know, like um, like so. (laughs) <laughs> like sliver uh, like like child's play you know there were mm-hmm. clips obviously i was familiar with what that was you know having not even seen the whole movie but you know it was on tv like constantly so you know i'd see like, bits and pieces of it and um mm-hmm. you know i i remember a lot of the movie posters you know mm-hmm. um like night of the demons always stuck out to me even though i didn't see it at a young age like, I mean, it's such an iconic movie poster, you know, with Angela, like all done up and holding her little party invitation. And that was like really burned into my brain and like very fascinated, like by the makeup, like with that. Um, so just it was like little like pieces, you know, and I was always like very intrigued, very interested in it, but didn't have access to it. And and then as I got a little bit older, sort of get more. That's fine. Um, so did you have any, uh, scary dreams as a kid? Not, uh, related to horror. Um, I, I definitely like had night terrors as a mm-hmm. child. Um, but it wasn't ever like related back to anything that I had seen, you know, like in a movie or something like that. And, um, now it's probably like related back to, um, I was later in life diagnosed with like narcolepsy and you can mm-hmm. get like night terrors as like a part of it, you know, cause like mm-hmm. your brain sometimes switches over into like sleep mode on you and you're still kind of right. conscious and stuff with it. Um, mm-hmm. So now we think that that's probably what those were more about. And they were very much like weirdly enough, like <laughs> the, the classic night terrors, you know, um, growing mm-hmm. up and now as an adult, like learning more about what they are. It's, it's interesting that a lot of people have the same, hallucinations like when they're in that state um and like what were you some of yours so definitely like the old woman which is like a common one you know 
like an old woman, like grabbing at me, an old woman standing over the bed, you know, with like kind of like a mangled face, uh, dark figures in the window, uh, visions of like uh, black dogs, which I guess is another very common one. And then um, like feeling as if my bed was shaking. Um, so hmm. that, that was a quite common one too. And, and that's like such a, a weird one because that's when you actually like feel, you know, and it seems like so real when you're experiencing it. But like ever since I was a child, I would periodically have this thing where it felt like someone was just taking like the edge of my bed and like shaking it like really hard or that, you know, someone was like walking on my bed, you know, and just like that like sensation. And, you know, it's just your brain like pulling this like, <laughs> you know, whammy on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently a lot of people who have that condition have the same you know, images or like sensations with it, which I think is very fascinating. You, you ever have any hypnic jerks? What's up? Uh, hypnic jerk. It's where like you are just falling asleep and yes. you're just about to finally go unconscious. And then you have a split second moment of feeling like you're falling, which jerks you right wide awake. Yes. I've like kicked a wall before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's, what happened? That's why it's a jerk. <laughs> it's like it's so weird you know and you're like why why did i freak out so bad that i was falling in a dream and i just like flailed you know but yeah like i get i get those like all the time (laughs) yeah and it always seems to be like as you're just falling asleep too so like you're i don't know like maybe your brain doesn't forgets for a split second how to process the fact that you are falling into unconsciousness and it's like whoa what the hell's happening it's oh yeah i was falling asleep asshole that's what i was doing it's so it's crazy. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it was good that I didn't have too much of like a horror movie influence when I was like experiencing that as a kid. Because I'm sure, like you know, it would have been even more terrifying if my brain was more familiar with horror material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that can that can um, spawn some some primo night terrors. <laughs> so you mentioned the uh, there was some movie poster or um, display when you walked into a store had a a woman on it and you like the makeup. What was that movie again? Oh, uh, Night of the Demons. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that movie, uh, just the poster alone. I, I just, I loved it. And, um, I remember seeing it quite frequently and, uh, then it, it was really cool because I, I went on to like actually work with Linnea Quigley and casting her in my film devotion. And, oh, um, yeah, so it's not Linnea, obviously, like on the poster, but she plays a really fun role in that movie. So it's kind of like a very full circle type of thing. She she puts lipstick in her boob. She does. <laughs> it's got that great, like, little Bo Peep outfit. I mean, she's fantastic. Linnea is, like, the best. And, and she was so much fun to, like, work with and just, like, very sweet. And, uh, and we still keep in touch like to this day. So that's been really cool. But, um, yeah, it was just funny to think about. It's like, wow, I used to like stare at that poster and then, you know, this person <laughs> winds up being like in my film. So it was, it was cool. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. The reason I asked is because, you know, wrapping up the childhood section here, uh, we have two questions. Did horror in your childhood make you happy? And if so, was there anything in particular that made you feel that way? Uh, and the two things that you really mentioned were Gremlins and this Night of the Demons. Um, uh, I don't want to say poster, but display, whatever it was. Um, and so the the two things that you enjoyed, I guess, were the comedy portion of Gremlins and and the makeup 
Um, you mentioned you were interested in her makeup in that display and, um, and the one costume, the black cat costume. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving into, uh, adolescence then, um, I had made some notes of the things that you mentioned earlier, critters, scream, Halloween, Friday, the 13th, Hitchcock, Jaws, the revenge, is there anything else that jumps out at you as being uh, impacting you in that air, you know that frame of your life? In junior high, um, I, I think that the only thing that I would add to that is that I did start reading more um, uh, like the Ed and Lorraine Warren books. You know, like were starting to really interest me. The stuff that was like you know allegedly true hauntings um, and allegedly. I, I, yeah, allegedly, you know, you grow up and you're like, ah, maybe that wasn't as, you know, legit as you thought when you were 12 years old reading Amnaville Horror, you know, but yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, so we started getting into those and then like R.L. Stein and like Christopher Pike books, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it was like easier material for me to like slip into the house, you know, because it's like, oh, I'm reading, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like a gray area, right? Like, oh, at least she's like reading a book, you know? <laughs> so, no, what's, um, what's that book about? The Hellbound Heart? Is it? That's not about hell, is it? No, no, it's a love story. It's, it's, it's a love it's story. It's, <laughs> so, yeah, I started just, uh, I think that that would be like in addition to like, you know, finding those movies, like horror literature, you know, I was definitely starting to like really consume at a high rate in junior high. Okay, cool. Favorite books? Uh, favorite books. I, I, I did, going back to it, I, I did love Amnaville Horror. Um, it, it was very scary. I took it mm-hmm. to be, like, very much a real thing, you know, when I read it. And uh, definitely had, like, an impact on me. Um, and then, you know, anything that R.L. Stein <laughs> would, like, churn out. Like, all the Fear Street, all the Goosebumps books I just thought mm-hmm. were wonderful at the time. And um, let's see, I, I'm slowly starting to get into Stephen King. So that's probably about the time that I read like Pet Cemetery and The Shining and things like that, too. And I definitely like really enjoyed those books. Really got to sit down and, want, and read The Shining one of these days because I, I want to read about that hedge maze because I heard that the way they portrayed it in the TV series was was not that good. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a completely different experience. Like, I, I really love the movie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the original Kubrick movie, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the book ends completely differently and, really? uh, yeah, it, it's a totally different ending. And, uh, it's interesting because like Dr. Sleep actually pays homage to that. Like the film. Does it? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to ask you what you thought about Dr. Sleep. I watched it recently and, um, I, I'm a fan. I thought it was good. Yeah, it's uh, I I loved it as a film. I I really loved the book Doctor Sleep, but the film did a really good job at uh, giving you some of the things that were like missing from like the first film adaptation of yeah. The Shining. So were the uh, the people who survive on steam kind of vampirish, whatever they are, um, were were they in the book? They they were in the book for Doctor Sleep, yeah. They're they're in the book, but um, the original ending of the book for The Shining mm-hmm. is brought into the Doctor Sleep movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so so the well, 
spoilers for anyone yeah. who doesn't want to hear this, give about 30 seconds ahead or whatever. But um, did the hotel explode in the original book of The Shining? Yeah. In the original book, okay. the hotel is, is no more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. So in Dr. Sleep, when they go to that like area in the book, the Stephen King wrote, it's a, it's still like the site of the hotel, but uh-huh. the hotel isn't like there anymore in the book. Gotcha. So when they did the movie, the director of that film was like, okay, I want to do justice to the new novel, but I also want to like bring in like the original ending. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's a win-win, you know, that way he got to do a lot of callbacks. Some of them slightly shameless, but I'm okay with that. They were good. Um, but a lot of callbacks involving the Overlook Hotel and in a way bring to film the original ending that should have been from the book from for The yeah. Shining. Interesting. It, it was cool. It was super, super cool. And, and the, the ending of, of the original book, I mean, it's just, it's very horrifying. Cause like you also have like Jack Torrance, like trying to like rip off his, his face. Like there's this whole bit. About, what? Yeah. That's like, not dying like, of frostbite in a hedge maze. <laughs> that's, that is differently. That's a different thing. Yeah. Totally <laughs> different. It, it's worth a read. It, it, it's a trip how how intense like it really gets and stuff. His own face. This is fucking yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, he's like this. trying to tear it off and he's like, take the mask off, take the mask off. And he starts like ripping at his own face and it's it's crazy, man. <laughs> so what was it that uh well there's I guess two different ways to approach this any of these movies that we've now listed for your teenagers, did any of them actually scare you? And if so, what scared you or if not scared you, then what did you enjoy about them? Oh, I think they all scared me, but I loved it. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I am actually like weirdly enough, like a big scaredy cat of this stuff, even to this day, like in the theater, I'm I'm that person who screams in the middle of a theater, you know, like I watch hereditary and I jumped out of my damn seat. When you hear that click sound in the freaking car, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I gave out of my seat and like yelled. So I get, I get, into it. Um, but, uh, but I love it. I, I, so it's kind of like being on a roller coaster, you know, like it's scary, but it's like really fun. And, and same with like haunted houses. Like I'm the most ridiculous person to take into a haunted house because I will like scream and like hit the person next to me and just and then start like laughing. Cause it's funny, you know, um, <laughs> I beg like, you differ. I think you're probably the best person to bring into a haunted house because eh, they lose their last, they, they lose their effect after a while. Like, yeah, I've seen all this and you can have someone with you that screams at everything and almost gives you back that first time you've been in a house feeling uh, a haunt feeling. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I'll scream at, like, the smoke machine, like, going off, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That is everything. (laughs) But I I like that feeling, you know, it's that adrenaline, it's that burst of adrenaline. And so um, I totally love it, you know, and once I started consuming it more, it was just like, you know, just couldn't stop, you know, and uh, now I I make those movies. So. (laughs) Hell, yeah. So when I asked, what were you scared by? I mean, you pretty much said pretty much everything. It sounded like, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it all tripped me out. I think that, um, you know, really, really breaking it down. I mean, cause like I'll, I'll get wrapped up in the suspense of some, anything, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, the stuff that like actually like scary to me, you know, like on a deep level, um, Mm -hmm. 
would be things like, uh, bear with me here for this explanation, but things that like appear that like shouldn't be there. And I, I call them like real time scares. So for example, like Exorcist 3, um, have you both seen that? Yes, it's not. been a while. That's that's the one with Brad Dourif, right? Where he gets the yeah. eyes and goes so all crazy. There's that beautiful shot where they're they're in the hospital and the nurse is like making her rounds, right? And it's a very mm-hmm. calm shot and she's walking back and forth between the rooms and and you kind of get like a jump scare, you know, and you're just like, "Oh, that must have been what was the setup was for." And so and it goes back to the same shot where she's just sort of walking back and forth between the rooms. And then she walks out of her room and then that person just comes like right up behind her and they're in a sheet with like those like, you know, um, clippers and like got her head off. But it happens in like real time (laughs) to the point where it like almost like takes your breath away because you're just like, it it isn't a jump scare. It isn't cued with the music. It's just like happening, happening like organically. And Mm -hmm. that stuff is absolutely like terrifying, you know, Um, because it's not going for that like cheap thrill. It's really like getting to you, you know? And so I, I really love when horror films can like bring that, you know, like somebody just sort of subtly appears like in a window or like, you know, just kind of is just sort of there all of a sudden, you know, another great example of it is um, even though this isn't, I think technically a horror film, but it's pretty scary in some parts, but David Lynch's uh, lost highway. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, Robert Blake, like walks like into the room <laughs> and all the sound <laughs> goes out, you know, and he's like, I'm already at your house. I'm like, God, that's like so scary. And it's, it's so simple. Yeah. It, it's just a really easy thing, you know, but yeah. it's, like, like it's, it's actually the lack of sound that, that makes it terrifying in that situation. It's not a jump scare where you have a sudden stab of noise. It's the, yeah. everything just went silent and it's, it almost forces your breath or your 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 lungs to just stop breathing like that. Yeah, you just like hold your breath and, then, you know, <laughs> and, and he like calls his house and he's in the house and I mean it's just it's a total like mind fuck you know so yeah mm-hmm. I'd say that that's the stuff that like is like terrifying to me but in terms of scares it's like yeah I'll scream at everything. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a better wording is things that aren't telegraphed. Yeah, I like the that. unexpected. Like you mentioned Hereditary earlier, that was one of my favorite parts of that that whole movie was the, uh, it was almost like an anti-jump scare, where the mother is just, you just barely see her in the corner of the shadows of the ceiling up there, just like, and there's no noise, no nothing, it's just that thing that shouldn't be there is there, and it scares the shit out of you. That's so scary, it's so scary, like, I I loved Hereditary, I thought that they, they did an excellent job with that. Did you have uh, any horror crew, shall we say, uh, during your teenage years that you shared this stuff with? Uh, yeah, actually, when, by the time I got into to high school, um, I was in band. and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's where it all starts. Freaks and <laughs> yeah, geeks in is. band. <laughs> all the weirdo kids are, are always in, <laughs> in band. You know? So, um that's where I found like this little tribe of, of weirdos that loved horror movies. Like I actually had like passion for them, you know? And so, um, they would like lie on behalf of, of me <laughs> to my parents and be like, Oh yeah, we're going to go, you know, see this movie. And really like, we were like sneaking out to like, go see like whatever rated our movie, <laughs> you know, horror movie. Together. That's so classic. 
it was it was great but they all have my back it's like oh yeah we totally just watched this like milk toast piece of crap you know but really we're gonna go watch the notebook yeah. i like crying <laughs> The notebook and then no no we'd go and then um you know when i'd sleep over at their houses you know birthday parties there'd just be like stacks of horror movies right and like we'd just go through like four or five a night you know because like all of this i finally like could really tap into it you know this is me like 14 15 years old you know and uh i mean i just like just ate that shit up so you mentioned these stacks of movies what were you what did you get out of these what were you enjoying about them there was a lot of like just a fantasy element of it, you know, that I really like latched onto. And it wasn't until the later high school years that like I started getting something a little more personal out of them. So, so there was like the fun, you know, like you get into like, just like the, the classic, right? Like Halloween scream, all, all this kind of stuff. And then um, after a while I started finding, you know, uh, exploitation movies. Like when I was like, you know, towards the end of my 15th year, getting into 16, 17. Um, and so, you know, you start watching things like Cannibal Holocaust, yeah. you know, or at least I did, right? I, I say it like it's like a normal thing, but for a high schooler, you know, like when you watch Cannibal Holocaust. But um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I started like watching more of that stuff and then diving in deeper. And then by the end of high school, you know, the the rape revenge films and, and things like that, like really spoke to me because there was like an honesty in them that you just like simply like, we're not getting from like other genres of film. And mm. I, I really appreciated it. And that's actually what made me want to like start creating those movies. And so by the time I was like 18, I was already like with a, like a film company and had started making the stuff like that. Fuck okay. you. And it's a compliment. That's, that's I'm jealous. It's awesome. Eighteen and already just. What were you doing with the uh, with the film companies? Was it like uh, gaff work or special effects makeup? I I started out just like as a PA. I I got my start with Wicked Pixel Cinema, um, which mm-hmm. are the people Eric Stanzi, like known for Scrapbook and Ice from the Sun, that kind of thing. And so I started out just like PA work, but like within a year, I was like co-writing stories and like running like bts camera you know putting together like little mini documentaries like on what we were doing and and basically just taking on any and all roles that they would throw at me Mm -hmm. like at that point so yeah i i rose up pretty like quick because i i knew early on that that's like what i wanted to do with my life yeah cool i'm at that point now at almost at almost 40 so you know same path same, same page. No, it takes a minute. Sometimes it takes a hot minute. <laughs> it does. It does. Do you see any common threads between uh, you know going back through the things that we talked about? Critters, Scream, Halloween, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Amityville Horror, the, the books. Um, was there any common thread about the things that you enjoyed in these? I think when I really step back and think about it the common thing that uh, what I was really getting a lot out of was that they really just allowed for escapism. They allowed you to like address fears, even if those fears were like absurd and like a safe controlled environment, you know, they allowed for like elements of fantasy. They allowed for humor, you know, and just kind of like uh, a tap into like your darker side. And I just think that that was 
really appealing to me, you know, because I think that a lot of stuff is very fake <laughs> in this world. <laughs> and um, yeah, sometimes, yeah, that's like fun, too. I'm not saying like, obviously, I don't only consume horror movies, you know, but um, sometimes it's just like, man, you know, this this isn't doing anything for me, you know, like I'm not really getting to escape into this. I'm not really getting to like learn anything like about myself by watching this, you know, it's just sort of there existing and it's very like vapid, you know? And so I think that, um, that would be the common thing is that these movies just allowed for that escape and like weirdly enough, like a safe space to like address like some darker internal things. Well, that kind of leads into what I was thinking of asking, which was, did you feel a need to escape from the um, environment you were in? Or did you feel that your environment was not a safe environment from for some reason? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, that that element of it, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable discussing, like, the finer points, like, right now. Sure. But um, I, I go into it, actually, like, in, in the documentary. Um that we just filmed beyond horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, there was definitely like a lot of stuff that I needed to like escape from, you know, when you're kind of like growing up in a small town and a very religious like household, you know, there's just, there's not like a lot of options like for you. So this stuff became very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, did the, um, did the horror movies and books and things like that you were experiencing in your teenage years introduce any new fears or exacerbate any existing ones? No, no. Um, by the time I hit like high school, I had already been through enough like real life crap mm-hmm. <laughs> that the, the horror movies weren't like introducing anything new. Um, mm-hmm. They were just like coping mechanisms like at that point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Okay. I don't know if we covered this one already, but that brings us to another one, which is, uh, do you ever have any events of actual terror in real life in your teenage years? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> childhood and, and, and through, um, yeah, like the teenage years and stuff like that. So enough uh, where it was almost like welcome to see like little movies about like monsters or like clearly like fake killers you know (laughs) like it's like wow i know that like people can actually be fucked up in like real life you know and so um the fantasy element of it you know just i don't know it it just it was cool it was a cool way to differentiate you know and to like kind of own fear and to not to make it work for you rather than against you if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah um I don't know if this ties into the stuff that you didn't want to talk about. So you tell us, but was there anything that terrified you as a teen that you wanted to, to mention or no? Oh, no, no, uh, not on this particular show, but uh, okay. yeah. Did you have any scary dreams as a teen? I still had like night terrors and stuff, but like outside of that, like I didn't really ever have like nightmares, like straight up, you know, outside of like, maybe like stress nightmares, you know, like, okay. You always dream weird things, like when you're stressed out. You know, like. <laughs> Ooh, do you ever I have the find- uh, the work nightmare where you're you're at work and it's just whatever you do, but times ten million. Um, more like whatever I do, and it's like not good enough. You know, <laughs> like uh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> like now being like an effects artist and stuff, like I, I have these dreams where I'm trying to pull off like complex, like effects makeup <laughs> and, and no matter what I do, it looks terrible. And then everybody's like looking at me, like I'm an asshole and like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and I'm like, no, wait, I can really do this. And they're like, yeah, whatever. You're a hack. You know, like those are the kind of like nightmares I have. And, but and all of a sudden Glenn Hedrick walks in and he's like, Hmm, no. No. <laughs> I think you already answered this question, so but I'm just confirming. So you said I think it was around six years old or something like that, where you stopped celebrating Halloween and you didn't get into it again until you were in your adult years, right? Yeah, yeah. So no Halloween when you were a teen, then, huh? No Halloween as a teenager. No. <laughs> Sad face. So much candy, so much costume. I know. I have to like make up for it now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So. That was the gist of the uh, the teenage stuff. Um, moving into adulthood now, what were what are some of the most impactful uh, horror related media that you're familiar with as an adult? They should be good. Oh, <laughs> I um, so the things that I like really like I I do like art house horror um, as mm-hmm. a trend. Um, there's some of it I really hate. Uh, <laughs> But most of it I really love. So, like, we already kind of talked about Hereditary. I really mm-hmm. love The Vich. I thought that that was, like, fucking excellent. It really spoke to me. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> yes, The Vich. <laughs> um, uh, I liked it. Uh, it Comes at Night. I thought that that was, like, really awesome and, like, super intense and weird and very different. Um, Did they ever <laughs> reveal what came at night? That's, uh, when it comes at night, I think I fell asleep. it's funny you say that because when i watched it like in the theater like you know the movie ends and i'm like wow that was like really cool and then this like kind of white trash couple was like sitting in front of me and the guy gets up and he's like well i don't know what it was but it never came (laughs) (laughs) okay i thought so so like yeah they kind of left it open-ended and to your own imagination but you're right the film was done with very uh it was done skillfully the way they did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I don't just, know what it was, but it never came. And then he's like, it's the last time I let you pick a movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> on the topic of uh, funny things that happen in uh, movie theaters real quick. And uh, back on the topic of Dr. Sleep, I just, God, I could not stop giggling because I'm with a friend seeing this movie. And there's someone two rows behind us who was snoring in Dr. Sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Put him right out. It was one of the most like tense and uh, it was one of the most tense and, and scary moments. I just couldn't help but just sit here and chuckle quietly because that's motherfucker. You were sleeping at Dr. Sleep. Oh man. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Maybe he had narcolepsy. You don't know. Uh, Yeah. Maybe. maybe. My narcolepsy brethren. (laughs) Yeah, like, so that kind of stuff, I think, you know, oh, and then It Follows, I actually really loved um, going on. Yeah. Stuff that I really have you seen, um, it came out recently. Just like uh, movies that have It in the title? I do, <laughs> really. That's just my thing right now. It has to have It in the title. <laughs> Unless it's the movie It, and then I don't know. <laughs> just, I no clouds. Now, have you seen uh, Villains, though? That, she, that, that came out just recently. It, it has Scarsyard from It, but it also has Michael Monroe from It Follows, and it is 
really funny. It's very good. I have not gotten to see that yet, but I'm definitely at the top of the list because I'm like, ooh, I like both (laughs) so much, you know? Right. I wonder if that was a happy coincidence. They got the guy from It and the girl from It Follows. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, just gonna blow fans' minds. (laughs) 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 All right, so we have Hereditary, Vich, It Comes at Night, It Follows. What else? Anything else? Let's see here. Like, I'm always so, like, I, I watch, like, 10 movies at a time, and then I'm always like, oh, what's a movie when I like work? Yeah. <laughs> but again, for this part, we're asking, what do you think is most impactful for you? Uh, you know, the things that really stand out to you. Yeah, th- things that stand out for you, remembering uh, being impressed by them and or being influenced by them. Yeah, I think that that's like my my more recent list. Actually, like what I what I gave there is is probably stuff that, in in terms of horror, uh, the only thing I would I would add really quick is, um, and again, it's not traditional horror, but um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I, I still would, need to watch that. That yeah. looks really good. It's so good. It's really, really, really good, and it it goes into some like super, super dark, like territory. Um, it it straddles that edge of drama and horror, which always makes for, I think, excellent movie watching, you know? So those are probably like the most impactful. Is is that a Von uh, Von Trier movie? No, no, it's, um, Oh, yeah. That that one guy, that's not Lars Frontier. I can't think of his name right now, and I feel like terrible about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it wasn't Lars von Trier, and I actually don't like him. I know I'm probably going to <laughs> a lot of people with that, but I really don't like Lars von Trier. The House of Jekyll was good. I, I need to see it. I do need to see that one. Um, <laughs> like overall, he's just so full of shit i'm always like so reluctant to put in like a, another one of his movies because i'm just like oh my god like i just can't i can't oh, he is a self-proclaimed nazi so there's uh. terrible it's like i, I just want to like yell at him like constantly like i get it like you hate women okay like <laughs> you know like it's like five minutes into his movies like so obvious you know and it just like labors the point to like where I feel it comes off like very childish, you know? And I, I, yeah, I just, right. As a rule, normally can't like stand them, you know, but I know a lot of people get stuff like out of his films and I do need to still watch the house that Jack built. But um, before I finalize my opinion, it's, on him, it's good. <laughs> I mean, I, I can kind of agree with some of the pretentiousness of that, which is large Montreal, uh, but uh the house of jack build has a, a good cast and it has some good gore to it too it's really good gore and it's just yeah. it's fucked up movie so it's entertaining in that right but it does still have a little bit of that Lars von trier uh, uh pretentiousness <laughs> well he can't resist right that's like his whole thing you know yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta put that so, in there so what about the ones that you do like hereditary yeah. which it comes yeah. at night it follows what, what do you like about these uh, what I do like about them is, um, I, I'd say at the top, they have those like real time scares, like we were talking about, you know, a lot of them have stuff that it's not relying on the jump scare, um, which is great. Um, I like that those types of movies also are very much diving into like what it means to be human and like how just like fucked up we are in our own minds, <laughs> you know, in our heads and getting like lost in your own headspace and how scary and ugly that can be. 
I mean, the, the most terrifying things, for example, like in Hereditary, are just like their reactions after the daughter's mm. death. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's ugly and it's honest and it's very raw. And, you know, you connect with it like as a viewer, because, you know, if you've ever, you know, experienced like a death of a loved one, like it's not pretty, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And yeah. you process it in like a very like gross way, and so I thought that that was really cool that that movie allowed for those like performances to come out and like very unique and very separate performances. And um, I, I feel like all those movies just really, you know, allow these actors to explore characters in a very in depth way, and I appreciate that because mm-hmm. um, I think for a long time, even in horror, we weren't really great with. Uh, character development <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, it was usually like the jock or or you know pretty kids that are out in the woods fucking so of course they get killed or or then you yeah. have your asshole or your free kids but but no I, I see what you mean you're right with with like um hereditary and other films that uh, you know in recent couple of years um there's a lot more character development you know you you see those people like peter and and oh god what was the uh, charlie and uh-huh. They're, they're people with characteristics and backstories, not just like, hey, bro, I like football, so I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and, and those movies are, are fun, but it was just, it was a breath of fresh air to see directors, like, seemingly actually give a shit about character development, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then just paying attention to their shots, too. Um, I was actually just having yeah. this conversation with, with Marcus the other day, Um even some of the most beloved horror movies, when you go and you look at them objectively, I'm like, they're not shot well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they're <laughs> just know? shot generically. Like there's no, there's nothing that pops out. No depth of field shots or, you know, uh, push pulls or anything like that. It's just like, okay, we have a wide angle, a wide angle, a wide angle. There's a wide angle. Yeah, but this is all getting angle. away from the emotional content of the stuff, you know? Yeah, I guess. Well, no, no, because, uh, you know, the proper... Uh, footage or the proper uh, shot or angle will evoke certain emotions. Like if you have an extreme close up on someone's eyeball where you can actually see the veins inside the eye, it, bulging it can, it can. Emotions. But what I'm saying, it can. But what I'm saying is, you're 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 talking about a negative uh, existence of something. What I'm saying is, yes, okay. So it doesn't evoke the emotions, but but we're getting away from talking about what does evoke the emotions. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right, right. As far as like yeah. examples in, uh, in media and adulthood, that's where we're at still. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you mentioned non-telegraph scares, what it means to be human, um, ugly, honest reactions. Um, anything else meaningful to you in these movies? Uh, the the atmosphere, you know, like uh, allowing for like production design and lighting to really like do their job and like um, really selling sense of space, you know. So like the Vich, you know, they authentically like made that house that they shot in. Like they used the same oh, materials and the same processes that they would have back then, you know. Oh, so shit. it really gave this authenticity to what you're like watching and it sucks you in more as like a viewer, you know. And that's the kind of stuff that like makes me like want to do better in my work, you know. I mean obviously there's always budget limitations and, you know, yeah, if we all had like, you know, ten million dollars we could do everything, you know, but just That's a micro budget. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> but, um, you know, I just I think that 
it just makes you really examine like your own craft in this way that's like yeah when you hit on all of those notes it's very meaningful like as a viewer because you feel very like deeply connected to what you're watching did you you mentioned uh, having starting to have a community in your teenage years did that follow through into your adult years do you have a oh, yeah. group of friends and family that are into this i mean i, I think marcus but other well, I think like finding, you know, um, just other filmmakers, you know, like horror filmmakers, you know, you tend to eat, sleep and breathe it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's definitely like a part of your life, you know, and then, you know, being married to Marcus, I mean, we have like, you know, the, the very similar tastes, you know, like in everything, you know, so there's no like having to justify <laughs> whatever <laughs> you want to watch that day, you know, right. there's no like compromise, like on the TV, you know, like no one's making the other, like, you know, watch like something dumb. <laughs> right. So, uh, definitely like that, that sense of community is, has followed into my adult life and it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Any legitimately scary things happen for you as an adult? Like my life is pretty like, like my actual life is pretty mm-hmm. passive at this point, uh, which is really cool. Um, I think my twenties were like turbulent. There's just like a lot of stuff like kind of like going on, like during that time. Um, but, usually yeah, are. yeah. You know, that, that decade where you get past it and you're like, Haha, I survived that, you know, and I, and I missed I my twenties. I was invincible. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, but nothing that was like, uh, like now in my thirties, I, I think life is like really calm and there is nothing that's like really scary in my life, except for like the things that like I'm getting paid to create. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. so I I'm really okay with that. that that's a good thing. <laughs> that's, that's fine. No is an acceptable answer. <laughs> a lot of the questions that we have here are not going to be for every uh, guest. You know, we, we have them because you never know who's going to connect with which question, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, Any scary dreams as an adult? Um, Actually, no, gosh, I guess I'm kind of a boring as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what kind of happens as an adult. You get uh, less and less uh, in, in the subconscious fantastical mind. And you're more like, what scares you in as an adult? I don't know. Taxes, bills, viruses, (laughs) I was gonna say I, I might have stress dreams about paying like a mortgage now, but <laughs> I I do think like what is I mean to kind of bring it around I guess um, what is going on right now is is very scary <laughs> and yeah, I that's guess a real I'm, life here as an adult yeah, yeah um I'm still not used to addressing the current pandemic as something that's actually happening like there's a a, a sense of disconnect if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Same here. Like, I, I get the the terror and badness, for lack of a better term, of it. <laughs> it's still outdoors because it hasn't necessarily affected anybody personally yeah. yet. Yeah. And it's not airborne. That's a good thing, too. Yeah. Glad for that. So, but in some senses, it feels like we're living in a weird version of a horror movie now, you know, because, yeah, it does. like, we're all effectively like locked in our house for the most part, unless, you know, you have to be out of it and like, mm-hmm. you can't like 
you know, hang out with like your neighbors, you know, anymore, like people like from across town and you can't like travel anymore. And, and every day there's like, and the people in charge refuse to listen to the scientists. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That does happen a lot. And that's, Oh my God. Are we going to get overrun by zombies? This is a preparation for zombies, isn't it? They're just having everybody stay inside because they know whoever's outside is going to turn into a zombie because it's fucking night of the comet. It is. It is night of the comet. (laughs) 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 So, and that's like so surreal and it it is like a a freaking nightmare. So I guess that I will go back slightly on what I said. And um, yeah, in the last month, it's been pretty like terrifying every day. (laughs) I just want to open my box of skulls. (laughs) <laughs> like you, you got a box of stuff like you can't even open and uh, that's totally like legit and and then um i mean we don't even know when we're gonna i go. just want to open my box of skulls when can we go back to normalcy <laughs> right <laughs> when can we go back to normal times when i could just open up a box that i got in the mail and and check out the cool skulls that came in it <laughs> i feel you i want i want us to have that back too you know? So looking back over your life and the question I'm about to ask is not related to horror, uh, just overall. And I'm not asking what is your favorite movie? I'm asking what movie have you watched more times than any other? Oh, ooh, that's a good one. Like because, Desert Island movie. Yeah. I actually watch a lot of the same movies over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yep. We all have them. Like that one that you can just throw on before you go to bed. Like, yeah, yeah, this one. I've seen it enough times. I can watch it 117,000th time. Yeah, I have like about 20 movies like that. <laughs> I, uh, so ooh, which one okay. do you think you have watched the most? Yes. It is a toss-up because I, I, I'm legitimately not entirely certain. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. It uh, has to be, if it isn't the one, it has to be very close to being the one. Um, because I do put that on to fall asleep to constantly. Um, <laughs> ironically. Yes. <laughs> I fall asleep to. Not lost. Yeah. <laughs> and like the little like song comes on, you know, and I'm like out like before the intro. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the most, I'm sure that's the thing that terrifies a lot of people about that movie. And that's the thing that you're like, ah, that's how. Yeah. And I fall asleep. <laughs> it's a lull- oh. lullaby. Yeah. <laughs> funny sidebar note um, one time was because I, I do this like a lot like you know I have like this rotating cast of movies and another one I know I haven't seen it as much as Nightmare on Elm Street but another bedtime movie is Hellraiser mm-hmm. and um, I was dating someone one time and uh, you know we're trying to fall asleep so I put on Hellraiser <laughs> so I he's like what the hell's wrong with you I've done the same thing. I have done the same exact thing. (laughs) They had never seen it, and so it kept them. Well, okay, not the same exact thing. (laughs) It kept them like up all night, and they were just like, (laughs) (laughs) I had passed out like within five minutes, you know. And they were just like, "That's the most fucked up movie," and I was just like, "Oh, that's like nothing." Like, (laughs) (laughs) wait, wait, what? You haven't seen it? Oh, oh, okay, cool. Did you like the part with the skeleton? No. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to bed now. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm like really bad about that. So yeah, it would be, um, <laughs> it'd be Nightmare on Elm Street or what? At, or like Wayne's World are probably the two that I've like watched. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. No. That's. I mean, they're both classics. 
Well, I mean, I asked the question the way I worded specifically because, you know, sometimes the answer to that question will give you some additional piece of information that wouldn't have come out uh, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't always have to be a horror movie. Like, I mean, it, it can be Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Wayne's World wouldn't have come up in the in, in the interview had we not asked that question. <laughs> no, it's not exactly a horror movie. So what do you like about Wayne's World? <laughs> it's Tia Carrera, isn't it? <laughs> What's that? I said, it's Tia I said Carrera, what do you like about... It? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So do you see any common threads about what kinds of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical? Yeah, they're like a common thread. I would say supernatural. You know, um, I I tend to like lean pretty heavily like towards it without even like trying, you know. Like the bitch. Um, Yeah. And I, Yeah. So supernatural is probably like the biggest common thread uh, with a close second being like a creature feature. Cause I, I definitely like a good monster. What do you think you like about the supernatural or the monsters over the other kinds of horror? I think uh, supernatural because there's always like a, a component of it, like where, Ooh, this could actually happen. Yeah. You know, even if you don't really believe that, you know, it's like, Oh, but it still could happen. Right. You know, cause it's still kind of based in the world that you're living in, you know? Um, so I think that that's like very appealing to me. And then with the monsters, it's just like, it, it's just fun. I I'm in it for like the creature design. You know, I just, I love mm. looking at like a good monster, pickup. you know, that's a, uh, that's a treat. <laughs> so talk about some Rick Baker werewolves up in here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have to say it's very funny and you wouldn't know this, but uh, Chris and I do the very last person that we interviewed said that they didn't like supernatural, that they liked other things because it was more likely to happen. And yeah. now you're saying I like the supernatural because that's more <laughs> likely to happen. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> I know. I was, I was, that's, that's why I chuckled there. Like, wait a minute. That's, that's exact. I mean, I, I, I get it because Maybe by sheer math, it's more likely to happen because the natural has already happened. Therefore, the leftover is the supernatural. But but yeah, that's exactly what our last guest said was the opposite of that, which was he liked things that were more based in like like psycho killers or or real life, just human evilness, because that's more realistic. And just like, no, nah, that's not realistic. Like angels and devils are more realistic than that, you know? I'm like, I'm more likely to see a ghost than get like killed by like a Ted Bundy. So that's what I'm- So the last question left is uh, why horror? So to, let's review some of the things that we've talked about here so far. Um, in childhood, you had comedy and makeup, uh, you know, the dress up part of it that you really enjoyed. Um, in your teenage years, there was the escapism, ostensibly from small town drama and religion and things like that. So there was some rebellion. Also, community in both in the teenage years and the adult years. And in the, the adult years, kind of going into what it means to be human, uh, the honest reactions, character development, and things like that. But why horror? And what I mean by that is, for example, for character design or creature design or special effects, you could go into sci-fi. For character development, it could have been drama. You know, what is it about horror in specific that attracts you? Yeah. I think that uh, just because of the way that I was raised, um, it's still always going to be like the forbidden thing. (laughs) Even though it's 
not anymore. You know, I'm going to be 36 in like a few months. So obviously like I'm my own person now, but it's, uh, it's that forbidden, you know, it's like, you know, it's the dark side of the pool. It's the, you know, like <laughs> weird thing that you're not like supposed to be into. And I think that that it just, it will always get me, you know, it, it's in my heart and it will always excite me. It will always kind of feel like something I shouldn't be doing, but that I really want to be doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess I just, I just never lost like that part of it, you know? And so that's why horror for me. <laughs> Possibly a, a personal question here. You can tell me if I get too close, but was there something about the small town reality that you couldn't be honest about until you left that? Mm -hmm. When you say couldn't be honest about, like, is there anything that I've ever, like, not said about, like, living in a small town? You could answer it that way. Um, I'll tell you what. If you want to answer it that way, tell me yes or no. And if it's no, then I'll explain to you more about what I'm thinking. Um, I will say no because I'm curious about a further. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have said I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. Um, <laughs> so I dated a girl who had come from a small town for a while. And for better or worse, like it or not, depending on where you live, you're potentially related to half of the county, you know, so yeah. everybody knows everybody. So you have to learn how to be very political about who you say to whom and, and all that kind of shit. Um, so I was wondering if that affected your sense of, you know, this taboo and the rebellion and, you know, things that couldn't be said until you got out of there. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, it totally does. I, I actually think it had less to do with like the small town specifically, and that's more directed directly at religion, actually, mm -hmm. to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I actually ironically like moved back to the small town <laughs> that I grew up in. Um, so it always and, happens. You try yeah, and get away. But you some kind of scene. They just keep pulling you back. Came back. And, and everybody in the town, like, knows, like, what we do, you know, mm -hmm. that we're, like, the weird special effects movie people, you know. Which is fine. And um, we're the good house at Halloween time because I was, like, Hell that was yeah. very important to me, you know, like, load the kids up with candy, make sure you're the cool people at Halloween, mm -hmm. you know. So now I think we're just, like, the eccentric weirdos of the town, which is good for them. <laughs> Did you move back to the same town that you came from or a different one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same town. So, huh. same small town. But, um, so I guess any, like, ill will that I felt towards the town, like, specifically, like, faded. And the rebellion component that I speak on is, is directly related to religion. So, hmm. um, that's something that I've never, like, made any kind of, like, peace with, like, whatsoever. And I blame religion for lots of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, specifically that, that rebellion. Is that something you feel comfortable talking about or no? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can talk about how the, the church is ate up, like, all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very extensive topic right there. Yeah, we can talk about that all day. Yes. Theology, all day, right? lack yeah. thereof, atheism. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I identify as like satanic now, so definitely was oh, yeah. that person who like went to the other end of the spectrum, you know, mm. uh, very willing card carrying member. Do you, do you have a certificate hanging on your wall? Cause I'm looking at a certificate and I get a card in my wallet right now. I <laughs> actually on both accounts. Yes. Uh, yeah. So no, that's something like I feel very, very strongly about. And so, yeah, that's definitely the rebellion. No, know? I 
completely understand. So I guess if we were to try to summarize your uh, affinity for horror into one word, it'd probably be the rebellion. Although I understand it is probably more complex than, than, than just that. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, rebellion can take a lot of different flavors. Um, so in your case, maybe it's against religion. I think Chris, that was kind of a key thing for you too. Um, yep. and also against religion, I think specifically, honestly, um, I remember there were, we had another guest who was rebellion might've been their biggest thing, but I don't remember what it was. They were rebelling against. Yeah. It's just the general premise of rebellion. You know, I mean, that's, that's going to be a, a common thread. I think with a lot of our guests, I bet, because it's just, that's what the allure of it is, is, you know, and all the video nasties, horrors, cat three, whatever it's, it's that whole, this is bad and you shouldn't do it. Well, I'm going to do it now <laughs> is the natural yeah. reaction. It's just a, you know, push resistance is. Yeah. You can say that, but rebellion is still sort of an o- overarching topic that can have multiple causes underneath it. Um, True. And there is the other aspect of not just rebellion, but what's the actual draw and uh, attraction of it in the first place. Well, that that's true too. So there's, you've got the, 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 the positive attracting thing, and then you can also have something that's pushing you away from something else. Um, Mm -hmm. in Jesse's case, it sounds like the, uh, the attraction was to things like the makeup and the community and, um, character development and, and honesty there. Um, and, and the, can't think of the right word for a moment there, but the thing pushing her away was the, she, she was moving away from the the religion stuff, which was from the sounds of it, I'm guessing probably less honest to her. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely. I'd say like, you, you definitely like nailed that like as an assessment and, and it was so weird and, and contradictory to me because it's like, you know, you have the, the Christian church, you know, um, and it's supposed to be loving and caring and, you know, like there for you. And like, you know, they're like, the Jesus representatives on earth, you know, and everything is supposed to be like for your benefit, you know, but it's not what it's like, (laughs) you know, um, Mm -hmm. almost the exact opposite. In fact, seeing that like hypocrisy and the dishonesty, like I picked up on that, like, I think at a way too young age (laughs) than most Mm -hmm. kids would, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute, you say that you're this, but you're like really mean to that person. You know, or you say you're this, but you're making excuses if it's in like your own community, you know, and um, it really made me like super resentful, like of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'd rather something just sort of tell it like it is and be like, this is clearly like a bad thing. And we're saying that it's bad, you know, rather than, oh, well, that person was like a member of the church. So, you know, we're (laughs) going to make X, Y, Z excuse for them. But, you know, that person who's a drug addict, we're going to like lash out at them. I mean, just all of it. It just, it doesn't make any kind of sense. I, I know that there's probably the people out there who would point that there's, you know, not all churches or whatever or like that, yeah. but this is just my overwhelming experience that I had for the last 35 years. You know? yeah. Well, but, like you said, well, like you said, not every church is like that. Not every person is like that. Um, there, but there are a lot that are out there like that. Um, I don't think I've said it yet on this call, but I know I've said on other uh, episodes that 
you know, people in general, there are, there are some things in life that are black and white. And then there are other things that are shades of gray and different people have different tolerances for being able to handle shades of gray. Some people can handle a lot of life being shades of gray. And some people don't have any tolerance for that at all. Life is much easier for them when everything is black and white all over the, not just the country, but all over the world. There are some people running churches and, and congregants of churches who life is much easier for them when everything is black and white. Um, but it makes it, but it also makes life harder for the people in those congregations who aren't like that and do see the shades of gray, you know, in your case is probably you and definitely was me as well. Um, I was raised by a very religious grandmother and, you know, for her, there were a lot of things that were black and white that for me were not. Uh, and that caused some conflict between the two of us. So I think sometimes too, and I, this is an idea that I've been kicking around a lot is that sometimes like rebellion is almost like a uh, survivalist thing too you know yeah it's like, yeah it can oh, it definitely be thought is. of as a survivalist uh, survival instinct reflex i guess as well because yeah. it's like if that stuff's gonna swallow you whole you know you have to like get away from it as far as like you can you know that mm-hmm. it's a good example of something i've been thinking about for years too like and just to i mean if you think about picturing a group of goats on the side of a mountain and a, and a huge boulder comes tumbling down, you know, the, the goats on the mountain have a choice. They can either go North, South, East, West, or stand still. Um, and you don't know where the boulder is going to hit. Nobody knows where the boulder is going to hit. And mm-hmm. from life's point of view, life's best interest is to create a group of a, a diverse group of animals where everybody's going to want to, there's going to be at least one that wants to choose each one of those options because mm-hmm. from life's point of view, if you all go left and the boulder goes left life dies, but mm-hmm. you know, or if it splits and some goes left and some go right, well, at least the one in the middle who stood, who stood still might live, you know, and not just a, from a religious point of view, but even political. I mean, you know, the conservative left or right, you know, to me, I'd be great if the rest of the world could come to an understanding of not only should we be respecting each other's positions, but to come to a point of understanding, we need your other positions because you know what, during some particular situation, you might be right in a different particular position. I might be right. And the only way the human race is going to survive is by having both of us around because, you know, this time I might die this time you might die, but you know, hopefully between the two we'll persevere, you know, there is no yin without the yang, man. Like, You have to have the object to cast the shadow, and then you have to have the light to cast the shadow with there. There is no spoon. There There is is no spoon. There is definitely a third glass of Jameson, though, which is my excuse for my actions. (laughs) Fourth glass. So so thank you, uh, Jesse, for joining us. Um, Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> I forget exactly what it was you started to pitch at the beginning, but do you do you want to pitch it again before we close the call? Beyond Horror, the documentary that I directed with Marcus Cook. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll have some links to that at the website. Um, so thank you again, 
to you, Jesse, and for anybody out there listening, uh, please do come visit us at horrormakesushappy.com. We'll have a schedule posted there to show who we're interviewing, as well as a a pistol, a list of people, a list of people we'd like to interview. If you can help us connect with any of those people, or if you know anybody who we should add to the list, let us know. Uh, can also become a Patreon supporter, link to our social media in general. Just come let us know how we're doing. Happy... Horror makes us happy.com. <laughs>